everyone, and welcome to the Double View Wrestling Podcast, a new weekly podcast where we are re-watching AW from the very start. I am the retired UK Brit wrestler, formerly known as Triggerman, now known as Sid. With me, as always, is superstar Pete Andrews. Join us today as we look at the most luxurious gaming and wrestling festival of all time, Fight for the Fall in 2019. But before we get into all that, Pete. Yes. Which wrestler? Go. Which wrestler? Mm-hmm. Which wrestler do you think would make the best serial mascot? And you can't say New Day. <laughs> Damn it! It'd have to be. <laughs> um, it would have to be Battle Cat because he is a tiger, and so was Tony the tiger, and it could be like his nemesis. It's a good answer. I don't think Battle Cat was a wrestler. He was. In WWF. I don't know if you've heard of them. <laughs> well, who the fuck is Battlecat? <laughs> he was a bloke in like a... I think it was a bluey green singlet, which would make sense. And he had a, a cat mask. I could have thought... Of, I could have said Tiger Mask, a better, well-known Tiger Cat-based wrestler, but I went with Battle Cat for some reason. Yeah, all black tiger. Yeah, a lot of better ones. And I, I went yeah. straight to Battle Cat. Even, I would have even accepted King from Tekken. <laughs> yeah. But instead you got me with Battle Cat and I literally thought, no, he's gone He-Man. <laughs> I thought, yeah, Pete's just gone straight to He-Man. I don't think he was around even when like He-Man was at his height either. I think he was a 90s guy. Brilliant. That's yeah. that's on the button, isn't it? Mm. So some, some good WWE-ing there. <laughs> My answer is Captain Lou Albano, but... Only if Captain Crunch retires, and I don't think he would. No, that's fair, yeah. Bit of levity there. Before we go into this week's pay-per-view event, which Mm -hmm. is Fight for the Fallen 2019. Pete, what can you tell us about this event? So this event was a sort of a charity event um, to raise money uh, for uh, victims of gun crime in Florida. It was held in Florida, uh, Jacksonville to be exact, at Daly's Place, which becomes quite a permanent fixture for AW as the pandemic hits. Uh, it was the 13th of July, 2019. Nice, right. So the attendance for this event is billed at 5,000. Mm-hmm. And the reason I bring that up is because I thought I'd give you a little fun statistic on victims of gun violence. Brilliant. So uh, in 2019, the year this event was held, there were 40,000 deaths in America from firearms. Hmm. So you'd have to fill the arena eight times to get an accurate idea of what that looks like. Right, yeah. That's in one year. And there's a further 115,000 injuries because of uh, gun crimes in America. So that would fill Daly's place 23 times. Wow. So there's a fun fact. Yeah, lovely. (laughs) So we're starting off the show nice and light. We go from... (laughs) From serial mascots to victims of gun crime to AEW. Yeah, it's a nice transition, I think. So this is just two weeks after Fighter Fest. Mm-hmm. So everything's very fresh in people's mind. Yes. Um, now, I understand Daly's place becomes the home of AEW, especially once the pandemic hits. It certainly does. They record all their shows sort of from there, from lockdown until non-lockdown um so yeah you'll get to see daily's place a lot more um they kind of change the orientation around a bit um to what it was like for this show 
but for yeah for dynamites and everything going forward when they use it yeah the orientation the, the venues changed a bit so is it a completely open air venue or can they pull a roof across because there's a few times the first few times i saw it on tv it must have been much later at night or in winter and it just looked like an arena and this was the first time i noticed oh it's actually at least part external yeah i mean it's to the side of the football ground so yeah i don't know if it has a roof or whether it's just got sort of a like a like a fabric roof that some of these smaller venues have um, but yeah it's definitely i don't think it's ever like fully closed there's always air coming in i think so one of the one of the things i noticed from this event was there are a few times when the crowd noise was uh, a little off mm-hmm. and it's like the crowd weren't really engaging but then when you looked at the crowd it was like well they definitely are so it's worth probably pointing out that daly's place is sort of an amphitheater the yes way it's constructed. exactly like the noise from the ring and the the entrances when the wrestlers are coming out and they're shouting, that naturally carries to the whole arena. But it doesn't that noise doesn't filter back down from the crowd to the wrestlers so much. Yes. So there are a few times in this show where it sounds a bit flat. Doesn't necessarily mean the crowd have got bored and gone for a piss. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's there is no librarian match. Well, there is in the pre-show. Yeah, there was. Did you do the pre-show? I didn't rewatch it. I did watch it at the time. Uh, we can just sort of go through very quickly what was on the pre-show. Um, like say, Peter Avalon with Lever Bates, the librarians. Uh, he was defeated by Sonny Kiss. Uh, and there was a ladies tag match as well. B Priestley and Shoko Nakajima uh, versus face style Dr. Britt Baker and Rio. Uh, there, B and Shoko beat that team. And I presume that was the better match of the two. Yeah, um, the uh, the singles match, Sonny Kiss versus Peter Avalon, that only got one and a quarter stars from the Rest Observer newsletter, whereas the, the tag match got two and three quarters. So neither exactly highly praised matches, but matches all the same. So I'm glad I skipped the buy-in this time. And yes. we are joined by a commentary team, as always. We have good old JR, Jim Ross. We have Axcalibur. And we have Alex Marvez. So we have free play-by-play announcers. Yes. And no, no colour. No, it takes them a while to get there. Which is which is odd, because even when they get Taz mm-hmm. later on, they sort of make him cuddly-friendly semi-play-by-play Taz. Yeah, definitely. When, like, just, just let him be a dick. Mm-hmm. But they're all just so happy to be there. Yes, 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 yes. So the intro package at the start I thought was very good, well edited, well put together. Did go on a bit long. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, like it, it was quite a 90s intro which usually I say is a good thing Yeah. because usually when we say 90s we're kind of talking more attitude era this kind of reminded me of like SummerSlam 96 mm-hmm. kind of just before attitude really got going Right. Um, so much so that uh, afterwards I felt compelled to buy Atmosphere the video board game well you would, yeah you'd have to so it happens <laughs> so I, I've got an extra question here actually given what I just said about Atmosphere, the video board game. Yes. What is your favourite incongruous wrestling sponsor? Hmm. Karate Fighters was very good. That was a, a big sponsor for a long time, wasn't it? I don't even know if I know what that is. Well, you know Rock'em Sock'em Robots? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a variation on that, I think. But Karate Men rather than boxers. So I think they did kicks as well as punches. Brilliant. That sounds great. I mean, it doesn't. It sounds awful, but... Listeners will hear you ask me that question, and I answered very quick, and it's some people might think, oh, no, he's, he's prompted him before the show. No, 
I've actually got an answer to that very quickly, which is kind of worrying. That's that's that was actually my favourite part about the answer. <laughs> Why I, I wasn't going to push you any further than that. It was just going to be well. That's if that's the first thing that comes to mind. That's going to go with that. So yeah. we are going to go straight to the first match of the show now. Uh, first music we hear out the gate. MJF. Mm-hmm. That's a good start. Yeah, we like know. that. He is joined by the team of Sammy Guevara. Yep. Just wearing the panda T-shirt this time, not not the full get-up. He's yeah, hasn't got his big headdress saving up for the first episode of uh, saving up for the first episode of Dynamite. That's it. And joined by Sean Spears. Yes. Um, now, Sean Spears at the end of the last show, well, not the the last show, but the Cody match on the last show. Yep. Sean Spears came out, cracked him on the head, gave him a good wound, mm-hmm. like it just opened up and said hello. And it got like 19 stitches, and they show that in the package, so everyone's going to be familiar at that point. Yep. Now, one of the people that came out during that and was like, ooh, I'm going to get that wrestling man. Yeah. One of the people who did that was MJF. True, yes. Is now his tag partner hmm. in this match. So I'm going to come back to that a bit in a minute. Okay. They, as a team of trios, are taking on Darby Allen. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Havoc, Joey Janela. Yes. Now, we've covered all these people in quite a lot of detail in previous shows. We did kind of skip over Sean Spears on the last show. That's so we can talk about him a bit more here. Tell me, tell me, Pete, a bit of background on Sean Spears. So, Sean Spears has been around a lot longer than I think a lot of people realise. Um, he was signed by WWE on a developmental deal um long, long time ago and was actually a part of the relaunch of ECW for a short period where he went by the name Gavin Spears. He was released, I do believe, and then he was um rehired and was part of NXT, uh, where he was doing the perfect ten gimmick as Ty Dillinger. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he got really, really overdoing that gimmick. It took him a little while to to find that in NXT. He was sort of tagged up with various people for a while. Jason Jordan, I do believe, was one of his tag partners in NXT for a bit. But yeah, as soon as he found his perfect 10 gimmick, that's what kind of got people behind him. Um, it made his main roster debut in a Royal Rumble coming out at number 10, which made a lot of sense. And I'm glad they, they went with that. Um, but yeah, when he hit the main roster, he kind of just had a brief little kind of, I think it was the Intercontinental title or US title. He had a little, he didn't win it, but he had a little few matches for that against AJ Styles, if I remember rightly. But yeah, he never really went beyond that and then was kind of used as a, a developmental guy to help get people over. And then he was uh, released. Um, but yeah, very close friend of Cody Rhodes. Um, they sort of were in developmental together for a long time. So they, they came up uh, the ranks together. So that was kind of why he got the gig uh, in AEW because of his relationship with Cody. So in the year or so I've been watching AEW, so 2021 to, to now quite late 2022, mm-hmm. Sean Spears has mostly been a kind of uh, a right-hand man, the chairman to MJF. Yes. Uh, there was the Wardlow feud, the back and forth there. Hasn't really been used great in AEW in the time that I've been watching, but there is definitely something there. So I, I wasn't sure if he's been sort of recovering from a long injury so they just kind of put him on a reduced schedule yeah not to my knowledge he, he never i mean the, the cody match that he eventually has early doors is kind of his big moment in aw and he 
he, ha he sort of comes and goes a bit. Um, he's like in wrestling, you, you've all got your like your favorite wrestlers who are like your big names, but I always have this little faction of wrestlers that are like my guys that I want to do well. Uh, like I've met Ethan Page in the past, Joey Janela, and um, Sean Spears is one of them for me. I just there's something about him I really like. And I would like to see him do more. And I think he maybe is coming to the twilight of his career a bit. It was a, a very famous promo uh, as part of the build to his match with Cody, where Cody called him a good hand. And that was what sort of got under Sean Spears' skin. He was like, I'm, I'm more than a good hand. And that's kind of what set the feud off. Um, but I like him. And, I, and his music, I, I love his music. It's just something about his theme that I'm always like, yes, it's Sean Spears' time. So yeah, I'd like to see him do more because I, I do like him a lot. My favourite thing about Sean Spears is uh, definitely that he takes his time with everything he does. Yes. Very played out and considered. He's never like the crowd can't rush him to do stuff. Mm -hmm. And you, you see a lot of people, people who've been wrestling for like 10, 15, 20 years and once they get out there they do kind of hit the ring like Ultimate Warrior and just try and get everything in as quick as they can. Yeah. And like I like a wrestler who can take his time, deliver his moves, when it has maximum impact. Like the way Sean Spears can go in the ring and just hold a chair, mm -hmm. deliver one chair shot to someone, and he can make that whole process last five minutes, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it never really feels drawn out. It's it's that's a talent. That's something. I mean, Triple H obviously had that, and mm -hmm. Cerebral Assassin became his his nickname for a reason. Like, yeah, they're people who they can do so much with so little. They tend to have quite long lasting careers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'd hope with someone like Sean Spears that he isn't going to be too laden with injuries and there will be a, a best run towards the end of his career, so to speak. Yeah, so be nice. Worth keeping an eye on him, wouldn't it, eh? Mm, yeah, definitely. I think so. We'll have to keep watching AEW. Let's do it. All right, deal. So this is just two weeks out from the last show, Fighter Fest. So Joey is only two weeks out from a death match with John Moxley. Yes. I wasn't expecting it. I was looking out here for just a little bit of long-term selling from Joey Janela. Mm -hmm. um, no, not really. I, maybe I'm just over-hopeful, thinking <laughs> there'd be some kind of long-term selling. But, you know, I mean, I'd, if I'd been Joey Janela, I probably would have, like, just put a broken-off thumbtack into my elbow or and, like, right. came out, done my full entrance. And as you do the entrance, you just kind of notice, oh, there's still a thumbtack in my heart and pull it out. <laughs> yeah. I think that would have been, like, the, selling the idea that it's been there for for uh, two whole mm. weeks just waiting. Yeah. So what was your take on, on the first opening match? Uh, again, um, AEW like to do these sort of multi-man matches to open the show. Uh, and this was a good one. It got a lot of um, sort of the new names for the company uh, allowed to open the show. Some guys, people probably haven't seen a lot of. Um, and it was good. Everyone worked very hard. They they all looked good. They all hit their their signature spots and moves. Um, yeah, it was a it was a good opener. I thought it was a solid enough opener. I do feel it was a bit of a confused match, definitely <laughs> with the MJF. Short yeah, Spears yeah, I can see that issues from two weeks ago. Janela did kind of play. Not the bad guy, but he wasn't he wasn't the people's choice in the match against Moxley last week. And on this one, he's kind of put with the more traditional faces. Yeah, yeah. Like Darby, Darby and Jimmy Havoc are definitely the fan favourites to use the nineties term uh -huh. for faces. But yeah, it didn't it didn't hurt the match really. It's a match like this, you just want to get the crowd going, get some stuff in, make people happy. Mm -hmm. Um and it, it did all that. It did all that. There was a great shout from Janela after he took, um, I think it was a 
some kind of apron bump and then fell outside the ring. Right. Where, for no reason at all, Janela opens his eyes, looks at the camera and shouts, fuck you, Cornette. <laughs> oh, yes, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, that made me chuckle. Um, <laughs> Sammy, 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 he's got to stop doing these flip bumps into the turnbuckle with just no abandon. Yeah. Because he's going to land one of them wrong. Like, <laughs> I mean, I know people have been saying that to him for just about every movie he ever does mm. in his career. Yeah. And obviously he had that suicide flip off the ladder match against Cody not yes. long ago. Yeah, yeah, that was rough. And that that could have ended anyone's career. But... Yeah, very easy. So Sean Spear wins via a Death Valley driver. Uh, has that got a name? Yeah, the C4. The C4. I don't think they called it that, but I might have just missed it on commentary. Uh, he definitely looked best throughout, though, so I thought that was... You're telling the story of the match. This mm-hmm. is a guy who came in and waffled Cody two weeks ago. Yep. Make that guy look the best. Get over his finisher clean. Mm-hmm. Job done. Job's a good one. Yep. And that is literally all I have to say about that. Crowder into it. Good opener. I think we had a little bit of a promo here in between stuff. We see people sat in the crowd, private party there. Yeah. So they've gone from uh, they've gone from having a match on a previous show to being sat in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um. I made a little note saying there's no way they'll get involved in anything, and I wrote it sarcastically. <laughs> but but no, they didn't. They didn't. They just they just enjoyed themselves. They just sat there, and um, I thought the commentary team announced that Shao Khan was in the crowd, and I was like, wow, the Lord of the Underwear realm from Mortal Kombat in the no Shad Khan. Shad Khan one, yes. one letter away, just <laughs> just one letter away. So we move into a, a brandy package uh, leading into her match against Ali, uh, which is good because that did have a reasonably strong build mm-hmm. for what is your throwaway second match on the card. Yeah, and it's a really face package. Yes, like this is like this is single tear down the eye. I didn't know if I could do this. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I could be able to hang in the match. And it's like, oh well, that's good. So she's she's found an identity after a few confused weeks. She's She's the try-hard face who's going to give it her all against all the odds. Who hasn't got any face, real faith in herself. So that's that's going to be the story of this match. It's going to be this plucky underdog face who's just against all the odds. She's going to keep going until she somehow scrapes a win. No. Yeah, you'd think that, wouldn't you? No. Not so much. No. Heel as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, my notes actually did say, let's see how long that lasts. Not very long at all. So it, it sets up this classic face versus face match where Ali's not even a bad person. She's yeah, not yeah. been an antagonist or anything. It's just like, yeah, no, I, I hope Brandy's all right in the match. And I, I believe in her. And so what happens instead? Before the bell rings, Awesome Kong comes out and joins Brandy. Yep. That's it. Yeah, like we said last show, Brandy just can't find the, her identity she's she, it's just a mishmash of different sort of alignments and styles it's yeah just a bizarre bizarre thing like it is almost a gimmick she's almost got <laughs> yeah. like yeah i'm i'm your face oops yeah like yeah. you could turn that into a gimmick if you were just a bit more consistent with it but it's always hmm. so confused yeah yeah so she goes for the sneak attack um uh, before the bell mm-hmm. and she misses the sneak attack. So does the camera. We don't see that. <laughs> we just see the, the edges of it. Went from zero to heel as fuck in about 60 seconds, including pouring water over Ali for no reason, mm. which gets like that definitely... Oh, it's a good way of getting the crowd on your side. Like It was probably quite nice, Rally, because uh, the commentators throughout the night keep mentioning how hot it is 
uh, in Florida that day. So Ali probably appreciated it. <laughs> this is true. Now, maybe that's why the crowd were like, yeah, she's a good guy after all. <laughs> yeah. How long had Ali, Ali been wrestling at this point? Because she does carry the whole match. Yeah, oh, a fair while. She'd had a, a fairly decent run in Impact Wrestling, uh, which was where I first uh, saw her. So, yeah, she wasn't new by any means. She hadn't wrestled for WWE and, or anything like that. But, yeah, she'd been she'd been around the Indies and Impact, more importantly, for, for a fair few years. See, I, I would say this is, out of all match configurations you can have, being the good person, the good guy, the face, carrying the match, leading the match, but from behind. Mm-hmm. You're playing the part of someone who's on the back foot, the heel's in charge, but you're obviously in control of the match and holding it all together. It is so difficult to do that well. Yeah, definitely. Like, if you can trust the heel just to go, I got this, I'm just going to beat you for 15 minutes and then you get you come back. That's that's not hard. That's mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a nice nice night out. But having to do that from, from behind is so tough. So yeah, fair definitely. play to Ali on this. She did a great job. Mm. Yeah, lots of back and forth in this match. There doesn't ever seem to really be any momentum to it. Just lots of little cheap stuff here and there. Cheap heat from Brandy. Yeah. Uh, Kong distracting the referee. I mean, you could probably do more with Kong than just distracting a referee. Um, and then out of nowhere, you get quite a poorly timed spear. Yeah. Very average. Mm-hmm. Crowd aren't really calling for the finish at that point. No. And she gets a clean pin. Yeah, very yeah, very straightforward win, really, wasn't it? Yeah, if she if she got the spear out of nowhere and then put on like a really quite mean looking sub. Yeah. Or something you can build a bit of heat with that before you get the tap. But no, no, just spear the pin, clean finish. I mm-hmm. beat her. I won. That's it. That was a very surprising finish for me. Yeah, yeah. I'd say what happened after the match was probably the most interesting part of the match. Yeah, definitely. Continuing the whole heel thing, Brandy and Kong both beat down Ali for little to no reason. And then uh, Aja Kong, who we saw on Fighter Fest two weeks ago, she comes out, obviously the mentor of Awesome Kong, as you pointed out. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has some weight to it. Definitely. Considering that there doesn't seem to be a lot said between them, it is just a couple of good well-placed looks and good storytelling by the commentators but the fact that yeah awesome kong has been trained to be better than this and instead she's just being a piece of shit for someone Mm -hmm. else that's going to lead something down the road so fair play and the fans reacted to that as well they 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 got it when she came out so that was cool definitely yeah definitely nice when the crowd are on to it before yeah before the wrestlers are even selling it they're like oh we get this it just Uh as we've always said AEW has that kind of... They inherited the ECW switched on fan. Yes, definitely, yeah. Always good to see. So uh, I thought at this point I would ask the question, mm-hmm. uh, quite a serious one, this. Ooh. Who's your favourite Kong? Adger, Awesome, <laughs> King or Donkey? I'd have to go Donkey, I think. Yeah, pretty much, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he hasn't, hasn't debuted in AEW as of yet, but I'm hoping. Give it time. Uh, we might we might put that on Twitter as a little survey later. Yeah, it's a good survey. Don't forget Diddy as well. Yeah, fuck Diddy. Oh, all right. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant Puff Daddy. <laughs> no, Diddy Kong. I see. I see. That makes more sense. So we're already on to our third match of the evening, which is a triple threat match between the Dark Order. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the hand thing. Oh yeah, which doesn't really it doesn't 
Can can you see that on your microphone? I I can imagine you doing it, so that's enough, isn't it? It's a good spot for radio, that one. I think so. It's Evil <laughs> Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, the Kmart Kratos, against Evan Sense. I'm going to keep calling them that until it gets over. <laughs> Jack Evans and Angelico against Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Not quite Jurassic Express yet. No, they were going by a boy and his dinosaur at this point. Um it wasn't until sort of Marco Stunt makes his first appearance with him on this show, and then the the team kind of I think going forward is known as Jurassic Express. So Marco Stunt, there's someone I don't know too much about. You fill me in. So yeah, very tiny guy, um, a bit like Spike Dudley of his day. Um, got very popular by obviously being a great guy to be thrown around by bigger guys, really uh, willing to take a beat. And he and his brother. Um, got into the business together um but yeah but marco seemed to do a little bit more um he was just like a bit of an indie favorite purely because people like seeing a big wrestler throw a little wrestler around um and marco stunt obviously very good at being that smaller wrestler he'd wrestled uh various indies i think he'd done some stuff with gcw i know he definitely has done recently but yeah he was he was bought in just because he was one of those sort of internet favorites of the time um and was to like put with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus and was with them until he left the company, which was last year, I do believe. Maybe this year. Is that just because they've got too many people on and they had to let some of the indie guys go? Or? Yeah, I mean, Tony Khan, unless obviously someone does something terribly wrong, and even in that case, they don't necessarily let people go. He doesn't like releasing people for the sake of releasing people. He'd rather let someone's contract run out and say, thank you, we're not going to extend it. Um, and Marco Stump was one of those guys. Same as Stu Grayson in this match. His contract ran out this year. Um, and I think they wanted to keep him, but he wanted to go and do a, do stuff elsewhere, I think. I think he Stu Grayson is someone who's got a very high amount of pride in his work and probably didn't feel he was getting the recognition he deserved. So he's he's left the company as well to, to try his craft elsewhere. Yeah, you can't stay everywhere forever. And yeah. uh, Tony Khan doesn't owe these people a living. No, but he exactly, did obviously... Yeah. He took on an awful lot of people right at the beginning just to kind of have mm. a company. And then, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, this is something Jim Cornette points out all the time. Once you start getting in your Moxleys and your Punks and mm-hmm. your Adam Coles, you do have to start thinking about some of the, the guys a bit lower on the card. So uh, I'm going to get to one of those guys now, um, Evil Uno. Mm-hmm. Now, in the year I've been watching, I wouldn't really have much useful to say about Evil Uno at all. He mm-hmm. just kind of looks like the obligatory larger guy in a back garden federation. Sure. Um, he's cer- certainly no Scorpion <laughs> uh, <laughs> from, from the BAWA days. Um, every indie fed has a chap like that in a mask. Mm-hmm. Is he any good? Because I've not, I've not seen anything to indicate really one way or the other. Right. Yeah, Uno... He is quite a versatile wrestler. He does things you wouldn't necessarily expect to see someone sort of the size and shape he is. He does this thing where to get up to the top rope, he'll sort of jump over and sort of float over the onto the outside and go up the ropes. And it's like you don't expect to see movement like that from someone his sort of size. And he's he's very fluid with it. And he does sort of big off the top rope moves like uh, swanton bombs and things like that. Um, so, yeah, he's he's... He's not what you expect to wrestle like him to be. A bit like Kevin Owens, I guess. If so, if you saw him, you wouldn't necessarily think he could do off the top rope stuff. Um, mm. But yeah, him and uh, Stu Grayson have been a tag team for a long time um, as the Super Smash Brothers. Um, so they were sort of 
understood to be tag team specialists um, of their time. Um, but yeah, neither one of them really got going in uh, AEW. They were obviously part of the Dark Order and Uno's still there to this day as part of that faction, but not used all that much. Obviously, Brody Lee uh, eventually gets bought in as the, the main guy of the Dark Order, um, which unfortunately didn't last as long as a lot of people would have liked to, to have done. Um, and the Dark Order from there... They had a, a little run here and there, um, but really it's um, yeah, it's, it's never really got to where I think the company wanted the faction to go. I am looking forward to seeing uh, the Brody Lee stuff. Very brief, but very impactful. It was, it was very, very good. Because it, it felt to me like it was something that had been burning for a while and then they got him in. It was just this really big thing and then, mm. then it was just over. Yeah, it, yeah pretty um, much, which, yeah. No one's no one's fault, obviously. Of the course, guy died, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which, which we'll cover in detail when we get to that. But yeah, interesting stuff. And the other guy in this match who we haven't really talked about that much is Luchasaurus. Mm-hmm. I understand he has uh, a reality TV background, but I don't really know much about him. Oh, yeah, I think he was on one of the seasons of Big Brother in America. Um, but he was signed to WWE uh, for a while as part of the NXT brand. Um, not as Luchasaurus, he was uh, just a, a big guy wrestler at the time. Um, didn't really have a, a standout gimmick. But at the same time, he's, he's a big guy who can move around. And you'd think at the time that's the sort of guy that Vince would see and go, yep, get him on that, my main roster, as soon as possible. But, but yeah, but not to be. Yeah, I think he was in Lucha Underground. I think that's where the Luchasaurus gimmick sort of came to life. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I'm sure I remember seeing him on it. But but yeah, he so yeah, he had been on Big Brother. He had had a very brief uneventful run in NXT, um, but then got a bit of a buzz um once he found this Luchasaurus gimmick and was uh, signed immediately for AEW. Yeah, and a good call too. Uh, Luchasaurus genuinely is actually one of my favorites in AEW. He's just he's got a really good package. He's got a good look. Mm-hmm. He's got good physique. He he can move around the ring like you say. I think you don't need to do loads with a character like that yeah. to have it mean an awful lot. And it's just I look at him and think, well, you could just you can just book him like Kane, mm-hmm. give him an X pack, and there's an extra dimension. And that that is really how I see the Jungle Boy Luchasaurus dynamic. Yeah, yeah, not a bad shout at all. That and they're kind of doing it a bit backwards at this point because obviously yeah. they've got Christian involved in the story. Yeah, uh, and you know there is there is a lot going on in that that we're we're seeing happening in real time in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, reverse K and X back, I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean that got a bit weird though, didn't it? With like when Tori got introduced and got abducted by Kane and yeah, 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 that was. We probably shouldn't talk about that. <laughs> it's for the best we don't. Yeah. Now, there's a few points in this which uh, Stu Grayson, he's doing the old Dark Order sign, mm-hmm. which I'm also doing, again, for no Excellent. reason, yeah. on on a podcast. <laughs> and I think he's trying to do kind of like a sinister kind of grimace. Right, but yeah. But he just looks happy. He just he just looks really pleased to be there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know what you mean. <laughs> and my other observation for the match mm-hmm. is, and this is another one for people who are familiar with the old BAWA Bauer wrestling days, Jungle Boy does, to me, look like Mick Hucknall, an old school, had a kid. Wow. Yeah, that's a thought, isn't it? So, scary mashup. What were your thoughts on this match then, Pete? Yeah, again, this was um, the Dark Order's first like proper match, so it was very much 
showcase for those two, I felt, to uh, to get those guys over as being sort of a threat. We'd seen them, obviously, doing promos and coming out and attacking people, but this was a their coming out party, much like the private party match on the last show was. It was to get fans, you know, associate with this, this duo, uh, which they were at the time, really. Um, and just to show that the company did have a lot more tag teams than you were probably used to see. And obviously with the Bucks being so prominent in a position for AW, it was obvious that tag teams were going to be treated as a bigger deal. And this was a good way to sort of throw three teams out that people maybe hadn't seen before. Jack Evans was probably the most well-known guy in this match. Yeah. To, to just showcase three up and coming tag teams and get the dark order um, moved up the card a bit and, and show what they can be, they can do. And one of the other things this match did as well is it, it feeds into All Out. The winners of this match go on to All Out. Yes. For, uh, is it a shot on a tag belt or is it still a shot for tag contendership? Yeah, I think it's more the contendership. The, the belts hadn't really been... They, they sort of trickled in the, the championship. So they're, obviously we've got the... We know the, the world title's a thing at this point. Um, but they I think they kind of do the world title, get that champion, then they sort of start working on the, the tag belts, if I remember rightly. Yeah, it's probably a better way of doing it than just hitting the ground and introducing every belt all at the yeah. same time and expecting that to, to matter. You might as well feed it in slowly, have a belt, get that over, bring in another one. Hmm. Uh, so a few things in this match that uh, really looked quite cool. Um, springboard Moonsault from Stu Grayson, caught by Luchasaurus. Yeah, yeah that's no, no small cool. feat. No, I like... One of the things I've noticed on my notes over the last few weeks is I, I like it when wrestlers get caught. Yeah. Like, when they're bouncing off something or it's out of nowhere and someone just grabs them like it's no big thing. Because that's, um, that's something you can't see everywhere. That is yeah. something that's very... It's definitely impressive. Wrestling. And especially when, yeah, yeah. when a guy like Stu Grayson is a guy getting caught. Because Stu's not a small guy by any means. Um, so, yeah, for someone to catch him fairly effort, effortlessly... Is uh, always a good thing to see. Yeah, he does. I, I do notice so after that, that Luchasaurus did tag out to Jungle Boy quite quickly. So I don't know if he <laughs> right, yeah. blown out or if he was just trying to keep the momentum going. Yeah, maybe. Marco Stunt gets involved. He gets thrown out by Lucha, which is what you say. Like, use the, the light guy, throw him around. Mm-hmm. Even if he's on your side, even yep, if yep. you like the guy, That's throw it. him around. I really thought Dark Order was going to go over with that double sent on splash combination uh-huh, after yeah. Stu Grayson did his get over here. Yes. But rather than doing that, they then added on the extra move of the fatality. Uh-huh. So the Dark Order win. Exactly what you said. I've got written in my notes. You're establishing a big new team mm-hmm. and their finishers. There's a lot of that happening in the show. Yeah. Which is a really good way of doing it because obviously the next show after this is all out and then they're mm-hmm. on to TV. That's it. So like this is, this is your chance to get the audience smarted up to who and what everything is what matters so it's one of those things there it's it's an average match but it had the absolutely correct finish yes yeah which which to me is is better than a really really good match with an absolutely ruined finish yeah definitely which is you do see that a lot in wrestling don't you? yes you do uh, at this point my fight tv package crashed right and i had to exit out restart do the slow search back through and then we got an Adam Page package, and mm-hmm. like that's a thread that's been going on pretty much since the start of AEW and the start of these podcasts. Is yeah, definitely the constant push for Adam Page. They mm-hmm. are making this guy, um, and they're not doing it overnight. They are doing it over time. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, they obviously had big plans for Adam Page from day one. Um, like I've said on a previous podcast, he was 
a good hand for a long time. Uh, a lot of people didn't really like him that much. He was a prominent part of the Bullet Club, but he was kind of seen on the lower end of that that faction. Bit of a job guy for the, the faction. But then he had that really good showing in a G1. Um, and that's when people went, oh, hang on. He has got something more. He isn't just a an ancillary Bullet Club member. He has got a bit more about him. Yeah, and then by the time AEW was a thing, it was very apparent that he had a really big upside to him. And he's been obviously protected pretty well um, for the whole uh, time AEW's been a thing. What's interesting about that is they did integrate and bake that into this match. Yeah. Kip Sabian feels Hangman's been given everything, handed mm-hmm. to him on a platter, whereas he's had to fight to have any... I mean, Kip Sabian's had to fight to have a match at this point. Yeah, yeah. So Kip Sabian versus Adam Page is our fourth match of the night. Mm-hmm. Strong singles match. We know that Paige is going to all out for the championship versus yeah. Jericho. That's already set up. So it is a bit of a tricky one with a match like this because you already know what the big match on the next show is going to be. Yes. There isn't too much jeopardy to Adam Page in this match, no. win, lose, or draw. Mm-hmm. The big jeopardy for this match, of course, is what happens if Adam Page gets injured exactly. and he can't go on to the... And that is the story of the match. Yeah. The the story of this match is Adam Page knee. Yes. At the same time, All Out is six weeks away. <laughs> well, true. Yeah, he's got a bit of recovery time if something does happen. He's got a little bit of recovery time <laughs> built in there. So, yeah, I did I did make a note of that. <laughs> as, as we mentioned at the top of the show, the crowd do seem very quiet at this point in, in the match. And that's a bit of a shame because they've obviously, they've had a few matches and they've kind of settled down. They're all back in their chairs now mm-hmm. and they're not picking up for the main event yet. Uh, and, and we're trying to make Adam Page at this point. So it would have been nice if they could have got a bit more from the crowd than they got. Yeah. But that's amphitheaters for you. Um, and like we said, there's no jeopardy. Like everyone really knows. Yeah. And I think maybe a lot, a fair number of people weren't really sure who Kip Sabian was. He was relatively unknown at this point. So yeah, that might have hurt it a bit. Maybe if Adam Page had been against someone that people knew, it might have upped the reaction a bit. I mean, did he ever have that match against Pac? <laughs> yes, eventually. He did, he did. Right, okay. <laughs> I'm saying yes, very confidently then. He must have done. <laughs> well, one day, they're still building to it. They're still yeah, building yeah. to it. I'm sure it did. I will see. And what if he injures his knee before then? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it could happen. It could. As with all the previous matches on the show, and this is a theme, isn't it? It's a chance to teach the fandom who Paige is, yep. what he does, get his moves out there ahead of all out. Exactly. Um, it is, it is a, a feeder show for this one. I mean, considering the next show is six weeks away, mm-hmm. this, is, this is your kind of pay-per-view before WrestleMania, isn't it? It's like, you've had Royal Rumble, everyone's excited, yeah, and they know what the matches are going to be at WrestleMania, yeah. and it's like, oh, well, we've got, I don't know, No Way Out, or what, what's, what's some of the pre-WrestleMania pay-per-views? Yeah, I think it was No Way Out, wasn't it? That that was generally the one back in the Attitude Era, anyway. Yeah, back back when I cared. <laughs> I think in, in more recent years, they've done Elimination Chamber as the one between the Rumble and Mania, which is, in theory, quite a big event to do for that like between those two other big shows but yeah back in the day it was definitely no way out so a couple of standout moves from this match um powerbomb onto the rope over the ropes onto the ramp yeah that was rough that's something we've not talked about our ramp leading Mm. straight from the stage to the ring obviously it's quite common in aw because daily's place 
has been seen an awful lot by now. Yeah. It's also a holdover from the old AEW days. Not, uh, sorry, ECW days. Mm-hmm. ECW, not every show, but there was a couple of arenas that ECW would go to, and they would literally set the ramp straight from the stage to the ring. Um, it was always a good way of, I think, fitting in a few more seats. Yeah. By having the stage quite narrow and quite close to the to the ring, joining yeah. the ramp. WCW did it as well, um, sort of in its night is worldwide days. I've always liked it because it does set up like it unlocks another like fifty percent of moves mm. where you can do over the rope onto the thing from the ramp back into the ring. It just it does open so much, even like you know a, a, a little half moon salt from the stage onto the floor or into the crowd. There's a lot you can do with it. Yes. Um, what what I do find odd is the way AEW do it is they have the they have the ring kind of not at a right angle to the to the uh, ramp setup, right. so you, yep. you you can't do off the rope moves because mm. it wasn't uncommon in the old uh, ECW days to see someone Irish wits down the old uh, ramp, yeah, 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 take something horrible looking on the way back. <laughs> yes. Usually, usually just a back body drop. Yeah, that's like, enough though, isn't not, it? Not a big, but it's on on a ramp. It's like oh yeah. god, that hurts, and you know it does. There's no way you can yeah. You can make that up. Good use of the time limit in this match, though, to try and create a bit of fake drama. Right, yeah. Uh, and I did appreciate that because, like I said, there's not a lot of jeopardy other than if Adam, what happens if Adam Page gets injured. Mm-hmm. On the preceding show, we did have a count-out draw between Darby and Cody. Yep. So that's something the crowd know can happen. They've established. They tell you how long's left in the match. Yep. I like that. Uh, I like that a lot because if you do then have a timeout match or a time limit draw or whatever, the crowd aren't like, well, where did that come from? We've never had that before. If you always have someone announcing remaining time, make it seem like the time limits to the match do make sense. Yeah, I mean, that's something they bought over from New Japan. Um, and they, they don't seem to do it now. Um, but yeah, in the early days of AW, they, they did it all the time, had the, the announcer sort of saying how long was left. And I liked it because I'm I'm so used to seeing that from all the New Japan stuff I watch. Um, so it was cool to see that come to like an American audience. And it's one of those things that everything old is new again because obviously time limits used to actually be mm. quite a big deal and part yeah, of the match. Yeah. Not necessarily announced to the the crowd so much, but certainly talked about on TV countdown and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And you can do a lot with the time limit draw. And we did actually get that jeopardy coming at the end of the match where mm. it's kind of like. Oh shit! What if Adam Page can't put Kip Sabian away? That's what if he can't put Kip Sabian away? How's he going to be able to put away Jericho? Exactly, and they took it to nineteen minutes and three seconds, so it was like fifty-seven seconds off being a a time limit draw. Those last three minutes of the match were by far the best three minutes of the match. So yeah, classic slow build. It does show what uh, a time limit can do to a match it can rapidly if used well mm-hmm. rapidly increase the drama and actually it led to a really strong finish here because uh, when page does get the big moves in and getting pinned and put them away it counts for something and yeah isn't definitely. that nice yes who are oh, imagine that in wrestling stuff counting for something <laughs> <laughs> it'll never get on Never catch on. No, it's never going to catch on. But we can't just have Adam Page do a match, can we? Oh, no. You've got to have a sneak attack at the end of it. Um, now, it was someone in a boiler room suit, so I thought it was either Slipknot, Suicidal Jones, or Chris Jericho. <laughs> well, he was dressed up as one of the creepers, wasn't he, from Dark Order? That was 
what he yeah, was. Yeah, so it, 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 it made sense in-universe as well, which is always nice. Yeah. Anyone in any company can put on a boiler room suit and no one seems to question it. Yeah, seemingly. yeah. So my favourite thing is that the assault starts and everyone's like, boo, Adam Page is getting beaten up. And then when he takes his mask off, <laughs> everyone's like, oh, Chris Jericho's in the building. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Again, good good Jericho here, and he does his job, does the beat down, yeah. gets out. Mm-hmm. No Judas, no don't give the crowd a reason to chant, don't put yeah, yeah, music yeah. on. Yeah. Like, I mean it is a bit before the period where they all just knew yes. every lyric off the heart. Is, yeah. But um yeah. He just leaves, he's done his job and he gets out. It's yeah. very heel, it's very old school. I like it. It leaves the focus on the page of the ring looking all injured and that. Mm-hmm. Good job. Yep, definitely. Good job all round. So I'm just going to take a brief interlude here because I mentioned Judas. Did you did you spot the moment in Cobra Kai Season 5 mm-hmm. where Stingray's listening to Judas? Yep, yeah, that was good. Enjoyed that. <laughs> Wasn't that great? I did enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we now have SCU versus Lucha Bros. Um, yes. And a good way of doing it as well. We've had a few SCU matches. We've even had a few SCU singles matches. Yep. This gives us... Kazarian, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky. Uh-huh. No Chris Daniels in the match. No. Although he is at ringside. He is. So, brilliant way of doing it. That's one of the things we all love about having the uh, the kind of freebird teams. Mm-hmm. You, you can mix it up, keep it interesting. You can essentially just have the same match again, but different. Yeah, definitely. And that's that's exactly what this did. There's a funny point in this match where Excalibur on commentary is talking about fatigue. And if fatigue is going to play a part in this match, right? because one of the guys has only had a few matches this year and the others have all done quite a hectic schedule. Okay. And I just couldn't help kind of laughing to myself and thinking like, it's late July and one of the guys has had 30 matches. <laughs> and I just thought, you, you go back to the territory days. Yeah, you do that Imagine weekend. only working one <laughs> match every other day. Yeah. It's a dream, isn't it? They'd be it? happy with that, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Even even the WWE schedule. Oh yeah. Like yeah. that's that's a crazy schedule. It's it's pretty much five days. Yeah. Five nights, isn't it? Yeah, like, pretty much. Whereas back in back in territory days, it wasn't unusual for people to do five six nights a week and two shows on a Saturday, like a yeah, exactly. Show and then the evening show. Yeah, definitely. So it's, a, it's a crazy schedule, but the, but of course that does mean you can do a different move set. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Like. I'm not going to get into what's better because it is just preference. Yeah. But a lot of the the work rate you get from people like Lucha Bros, you couldn't do. No, you no. couldn't do that six days a week. You Definitely couldn't. not. So we know what we're getting with this match because we've seen some SCU, we've seen some Lucha Bros. They've been a staple on pretty much every AEW show so far. Yeah. One thing we haven't talked about so much is the Zero Fear taunt. Uh huh. You see that a lot from these guys, even still to this day. Yeah. I hate it. Oh really? <laughs> now, not not as a wrestling thing because I actually like the Lucha Bros. Um, yeah, like it is it is such a good thing, but it's one of those things that it just irrationally makes my blood boil. <laughs> and like, if I was in the wrestling ring, like because it's all about respect and trust, wrestling. Yeah. If if someone did that to me in the middle of a match and they hadn't hadn't okayed it beforehand, right? Oh, I wouldn't be alright with that. <laughs> It, it's and I, I know it's irrational because you can't you can't go into wrestling being like oh I'm the bigger man or anything like that, but just the 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 disrespect to getting that in the face and then pushing the hand in the face. Right? How do you not? How do you not just headbutt them or something? I don't know. Oh, it just ooh, 
But to be honest, do you want a visceral reaction from wrestling? Like so yeah. much of the stuff we see, it's just you know, you shouldn't just mentally assign every move you see to a point on the N sixty four joypad. Mm. You should get pissed off with a taunt like that, and it just always makes my blood boil. <laughs> uh, but Scorpio Sky does a brilliant piss take. Penta does his full one where he's taking the glove off and kind of dancing around the ring. Yeah. Zero fear. The crowd are in, into it. And then Scorpio Sky does his version, mm-hmm. which is just beautifully sarcastic. <laughs> and it, it, I don't know if you've seen Tombstone with Val Kilmer. Right, yeah. There's a beautiful scene in that where a guy whips out a gun and he's just doing all these beautiful gun flips back and forth in front of Val Kilmer's face. <laughs> and everyone in the bar is watching, like, oh, what's he going to do? And Val Kilmer picks up a teacup, sips from it, <laughs> and then recreates literally every move the guy had done with the gun with the teacup. Nice. It's just it's that's exactly what Scorpius guy does here, and it's fantastic. I loved it. That's my favourite part of the match. Okay, <laughs> because you're working the crowd and you're yeah. not really working. I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's great. <laughs> there was a huge hip toss into the ring at one point. It's not a big thing, is it? Having a hip toss into the ring, mm. but because of the way they had the positioning with the the ramp on the apron. Yeah. They really made that look something. Lovely, lovely spot. Most of my notes are about the ramp to the ring. We sort of already discussed that. <laughs> I think what were your thoughts and takeaways from this match? Well, it was cool to see, um, up, to, up to this point, we'd kind of seen the Lucha Brothers exclusively against uh, the Young Bucks in one way or another. So it was cool to yeah. see them against SCU, who, like you say, had been very prominent wrestling other people uh, on all the shows. So yeah, so to see these two teams come together, already getting a very fresh and exciting match because both these teams very very popular with the fans. Um, so yeah, it was it was a a good match. I think they could have probably done better um, these four guys, but at the same time, it it was really good. I I enjoyed it. I, the stuff with Christopher Daniels was was very good. He sort of behaved for a bit and then started misbehaving and got sent home. Um, yeah, it, it was good. It was good. Yeah, they kept it. For, for the teams involved, especially for the English brothers, it did keep it quite grounded. Yes, definitely. Which, which you, you don't want to go crazy in this match because the main event of the show is also a tag match. Yeah, true. So that's something you have to bear in mind. Like, you, you have to air gap. Yeah. Like, and there is a singles match in between the two. So that helps. Mm-hmm. You don't just want to do the same match twice. There was one kind of weird misfire in this match, and I watched it a couple of times trying to figure out what happened. Penta's set someone up with a pump handle. Right. And he fires Phoenix off against the ropes and Phoenix kind of hits the ropes, hits the ropes twice, does a little run, basically stops in the middle of the ring and you can basically see it on his face and thinking, fuck it, I'm just going to jump over the ropes. So he does. <laughs> he just jumps over the ropes onto like Chris Daniels and the other SCU guys out there. I just couldn't, couldn't quite figure out what they were going for. Mm. Quite near the end of the match. So right. I'm not sure if they... They botched the finish or they got a bit ahead of themselves. It's, yeah, I don't know. We, we've, we've talked before about when you go into a match and you have everything planned out in minute detail. Yeah. When then something goes wrong, it does. You're just like, oh, shit, what, what are we going to do? Yeah, it breaks Whereas, the flow. Whereas like, the audience don't know that you've missed a bit. Yeah, definitely. But they picked up. They, they, they picked it back up, got on with it, package pile driver for the win, Luke just mm-hmm. go over, match ends, exactly really had it how it had to. And... There is some afterbirth mm-hmm. here because after they've won, and it's, again, you talk about some confused booking. I don't, I don't want to rag on Tony Khan because I know he was very new to it at this point. Sure, yeah. Um, but package pile driver happens and the luchas go over clean, mm-hmm. 
and they're so pissed off that they've won that they go out of <laughs> the ring and get a ladder. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, of course. <laughs> and start beating up SCU. And I'm just like, well, no, hang on, the, the losers do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, okay, well, that's fine. Let's write that off. They're going to have a ladder match against SCU at the next show and they're obviously <laughs> just building to that. No. <laughs> yeah. They, 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 they beat them up the ladder. SCU just have to take it and then roll out the ring like pusses mm-hmm. after losing. Yeah. And and then the Lucha Bros call up the Young Bucks. Yes. It, yeah, it was odd. Yeah, very odd way of doing it. It's, it's like Tony Khan want, wanted to do a ladder match. It would have probably just been better to just announce it like when you're promoting the show it was going to be on. Oh, by the way, the Young Bucks and the Luchas are going at it again this time in a ladder match. You didn't necessarily need the stuff with the ladder on this show to set it up because it was oddly done. Yeah, or, I mean, there's a lot of ways you could do it. You could have SCU win on a technicality. Mm. Like, you know, Phoenix gets counted out and that's it. They've lost the match. Yeah. But they haven't lost any face in doing so because they, they would have just been doing some kind of crazy lucha stuff outside the ring. They just get counted out and then they're pissed off that they've lost the match so they get the ladder and bring it in. That would just make a little bit more sense of why you win clean and then attack the people you beat. Yeah. And and you're the good guys. <laughs> mm. It's Yeah, it's like I said, a little confused, but it's fine. Um, the crowd certainly didn't seem to mind. They were just enjoying the whole show. Yeah. But then the Bucks didn't do the save either. No, no. Well, they've got their big match to prepare for, so they were obviously busy. So it's just very weird. You sat there beating on two guys who you've just beaten squarely, would rather, <laughs> yeah. to set up the next match. against, the, And then they don't come out and do the hero save. Yeah. Because there's always kind of been that thing where when you have Luchas, Young Bucks, it is always like, oh, the crowd like the Luchas, the crowd like the Young Bucks, mm-hmm. fight forever, we're here for, for the whole package. But you, you could have set up the next next match with a much clearly defined good guys, bad guys. Yeah, definitely. But I suppose you couldn't really do that given what the main event is. True, yeah. Because you don't want to make the Bucks look too good here. Very confused. Mm. Uh, well, we're going to come back to the Bucks in a match's time. It wouldn't be a podcast without a sponsor segment, and we are no different. This episode is sponsored by independent publishers B-Star Kitty Press, who helped me publish my very first novel, Not in the Eye, a satirical look at the adult entertainment industry and its strange parallels to the wrestling industry. It's currently free to download on Amazon for Kindle, tablet or app. Just search Not in the Eye or my author name, CZ Hazard, on Amazon. So the next match on the card is Shima versus Kenny O, Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing you liked this one. I enjoyed it very much. Yes, this was I also the would. highest rated match of the card from Old Meltzer. Um, got Ooh. four and a half stars. Yeah, we didn't continue my strange rating system after no, the first show. No, we didn't. Maybe we should bring that back. Hmm. I give this four bottles of LucasAid out of five. There you go. What type of LucasAid? Uh, what's your favourite LucasAid? I don't really drink it. I mean, if I was to, if I was ill, um, I'd just go standard LucasAid, whatever flavour that is. Oh, disappointing. Mm. Only three and a half stars then. <laughs> <laughs> so there's an, this is awesome chant on this match before the very first lockout. I think the crowd were hot for this one. They were quite excited. Yeah, um, two very well-respected guys that hadn't necessarily done a lot together at this point. Um, so yeah, it was a big, big match for, for both guys, really. 
um, Kenny Omega finally getting a steady run in the US and uh, Shima is the same really getting to showcase himself in the US which he hadn't really done no, it was a really interesting match because I think it, it started so strong and the crowd were really, really hot for it. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of it felt like the crowd sort of burnt themselves out about halfway through the match and then yeah. it picked up again. Yeah, which is you know it's, that's not unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a good feeling out process very early on. Lots of good stuff going on, and then out of nowhere, Shima just locks on like a really heavy submission. Right, like, yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, if this was no mercy, he would have reversed that. <laughs> yeah. Like and that early in the match, I thought, well, there's there's no jeopardy. The crowd aren't really going to expect him to tap at this point. Yeah, it's, I think he would have been more effective for it if he'd fought it off or just got to the ropes really quickly or reversed it. Mm-hmm. But no, he just he just took it and and it played out until he eventually got to the ropes. Yeah. Then they kind of went back to a feeling out process. Lots of stuff that yeah, good wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what I want at the start of a match. And then um, quite a big move and pinfall attempt. Straight after that, all occurring in the first kind of two, three minutes. Yeah. And it's like we're, we're two minutes into this match, big strong submission attempt and big pinfall attempt, which got a two, not even a kick out of one frustration. Yeah, powder. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, and I was like, is is that just, are they trying to play the jeopardy that Kenny Omega's in being against Shima? Yeah, maybe. That's Yeah, I, I, I potentially think so. I mean, again, we say, I say it a lot um, that... Early AEW has a lot of holdovers from New Japan because that's where a lot of the guys came from. Um, and Omega was at this point used to wrestling these big old matches against Okada, which were all very long matches. Um, and like two guys like that, Okada and Omega, you kind of want to see go for between 30 and 60 minutes. You, you don't get bored of that. But New Japan kind of saw that was working, and for a while, all their big title matches were really long when they didn't necessarily need to be. And that's kind of how those matches are laid out. A lot of stuff happening very quickly and then the middle section just sort of quietens down and they kind of don't do a lot of fancy stuff and then the end stretches where it all kicks off again. So it's kind of one of those holdovers from, from Kenny's work in Japan. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think personally, if, if they'd just gone 10 minutes balls to the wall in this one like yeah. have the feeling out wrestling before you graduate to hit tosses arm drag moves and everything like that but yeah it just um it just the pacing just felt a bit off on this one in mm. a few places uh, i did really enjoy the match kenny omega's really good i'm starting to really like him now at this point just in time for him to be suspended in 2022 <laughs> um <laughs> he's having a great time in japan at the minute though if you saw any of his stuff on twitter he's met up with kota abushi they're going out and eating puddings he's being scanned to be in the new Yakuza game, so he's not having a terrible time at the minute. He's enjoying his suspension. And he had to have his rabies shot before he flew because he had been bitten by Ace Steel. So. That's right, yeah. <laughs> uh, some fun stuff happened in this match. Once they got outside the ring, the crowd seemed to perk up a bit. All that timekeeper's plinth. I don't like it. Mm. <laughs> I'm glad they seem to have replaced that just with a table. Yeah, it's for the best, isn't it? If someone's listening doesn't quite know what the timekeeper's plinth is, imagine a table, but half the size, a little bit taller, and a lot less easy to break. Mm. And poor Kenny, he does get set up on the plinth. (laughs) Shima does his kind of double knee stomp, Meteora, and the table doesn't break. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's, that's rough. That's um that might be the move of the night for me, that one. That yeah, was just that was, like that was oh, nasty. It, didn't, it didn't go. 
it didn't go. Lots and lots of meteoris. Now, I kind of get that sense. That's, that's a new Japan thing. It's like, if you're trying to help make an opponent, you, you kind of, you keep hitting him with the thing that usually puts people away, and it doesn't. Yeah, yep, yep. So that, that makes that make a bit more sense. But the problem with that is if you keep doing that move over and over and over again, and then you lose the match... Yeah, it kind of buries the move, doesn't it, it? It does. It does cheapen the move a bit, and I kind of by the end of this, I was just thinking like maybe you shouldn't do <laughs> yeah. the try something else. And um, we've we've talked about Kenny Omega selling on this podcast before as well, and we, I've tried to quantify what it reminds me of because, mm-hmm. like I said, it's quite theatrical. Yeah, I think I've cracked it. Right, he sells like the dude in Robocop who drives into the toxic waste <laughs> and then walks out. <laughs> And he'll, he'll sell like that like for about three or four seconds and then it's like he suddenly remembers he's in a wrestling match <laughs> and gets this huge burst of energy and speed out of somewhere. Yeah, that's a good call. And then and then he'll get hit again. Back to Toxic Waste Man <laughs> selling. <laughs> and then he's alright. He yeah. never once gets hit by Robocop's car. There you go. Big fan of Robocop, yeah. Kenny Omega. Who isn't a big fan of Robocop? Yeah, maybe you should do a Robocop theme move. Like he does a Terminator theme move. He needs a Robocop one. I'll be right with it. I mean, mm. I think we're, I, I'm pretty sure we mentioned Robocop in one of the previous podcasts as well. I hope so. So maybe we should just do a Robocop podcast. Yeah, won't be as long. Robo, Robopod. <laughs> a lot less to watch though, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't take as long. <laughs> no, no. Uh, so Tiger Driver 98. Good year. Probably my favourite vintage. Mm-hmm. Um could have been the finish actually right there. I think the, the timing of that was probably the natural finish to the match as far as the crowd wanted. Yeah. Uh, but we're here to what are we here to do, Pete? We're here to establish the wrestlers, their finishing moves, who they are and what they do. Quite and right. Kenny does get the one winged angel, locks it in for a nice clean finish, and his first AEW singles win. Yeah, that was built up a lot in the match as well. Um that Kenny hadn't had a big win in the company at this point, and it was like, oh, I know it's early days, but Kenny Omega came in with all this buzz, being a former IWGP heavyweight champion, and he hasn't seemed to got what he had. Is he? Is he still got it? Is he lost his lost his panache? But no, he gets the win. And you got to give Kenny a lot of respect for doing that as well. Like yeah, oh, yeah, the first yeah. few matches, and he he is using it to put over the company and put over. I mean, you don't need to put Jericho over, but you're putting the company over. Yeah, completely. You're putting the belt over when you do that. So, yeah. Because no one needs to put Jericho over. Jericho's done a bloody good job of doing that himself for the mm. last 30 years. Yes. So at this point, like, uh, one winged angel, Kenny gets the win. Good. All happy with that. Wrapped up. I look at the time left on the, uh, on the old program. Yeah. Never a good sign if you're constantly checking the clock. But <laughs> I noticed at this point, there's one hour left on the show right only one match left to go mm. and i was like oh fucking hell <laughs> <laughs> like unless it's wrestlemania 12 and an ironman match i don't want to see an hour long match. yeah 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 but actually um the next hour didn't drag they sent out jericho he bought a bit of time um, yeah. i think this was totally intended because it was too it was too good a promo to oh yeah on, on the fly yeah definitely. uh and He's out of his boiler suit and he's back in his hat and scarf, which was his attire at this point. Yeah. And he just does a effortless 15-minute by-the-numbers promo, mm-hmm. which keeps the crowd the whole time. No one's chanting boring. No one's chanting what? No one's chanting you suck. The crowd are just there the whole time. He plugs the next show. 
Mm-hmm. He plugs Adam Page. He plugs the TV deal, even announcing the date that they're going out. Yeah. Uh, without without even doing the Mick Foley thumbs up to the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say what you will about Chris Jericho, but the man knows how to do a promo. Yeah, he's pretty good at it. He certainly is. Um, there isn't much you can criticise about him, really, is there? Not so really. then, of course, what have you got to do at that point? You have got to bring the other guy out for a pull apart. Mm-hmm. So Jericho heel heel promo. Adam Page comes out. Adam Page looks fucked up because he's he's taken a kick in over the last few shows and stuff has welled up. Um, obviously, Jericho draws attention to the fact I still have his blood in his hand. It's yes. been weeks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not it's it's not a fun tacking Joey Janela's arm, is it? Exactly. This really sells the match though, and give me a good old fashioned pull apart over yeah. a fucking lame contract signing. Oh yeah, definitely. Week. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I'm I'm not gonna go into it now. We'll wait until we get a contract signing because I'm sure we will. Mm-hmm. I can hate contract signings in wrestling. <laughs> and if I never see another one again, I would be just fine with that. You are going to get them, but I believe they generally involve MJF. Well, I look forward to uh, I look forward to being proved wrong. Yeah. So we are pretty much now straight into the main event. Yes. But I'm definitely going to watch all out now after the page Jericho. Excellent. That that helps for the podcast. Was on the fence, but yeah, <laughs> probably probably going to watch that now. Good. So we are the Brotherhood, Cody and Dustin. Now, I didn't know if they were just booking this whole match just so they could say Cody and Dustin Rhodes. Yeah, exactly. See, they're they they, they they're clever with it. They always find they a way. They find a way. So, the Brotherhood of Cust- C- Custard? Custard Rhodes. <laughs> custard Rhodes. That's if they run into each other too quick, they become <laughs> Custard Rhodes. So, as we've got a couple of the Rhodes in the ring, I have to ask, who is your favourite Rhodes? Is it Cody, Dusty... Dustin, Rhode Island, or Rowdy Rody Piper? <laughs> Rowdy Rody Piper. Is he the war machine, but when he gets drunk? Why not? I like it. <laughs> um, so who's my favourite? I've got to say Dusty, just because he's he's Dusty Rose. I I did. I was a big fan of Gold Dust. I, he always had a great match when he didn't necessarily expect him to. But yeah, if I had to pick one, I'd go Dusty. Fair answer. I'm probably going to go Rhode Island okay. for Family Guy and Hasbro. There you go. Yeah, it's always going <laughs> to go that way, isn't it? Or my actual answer, probably Dustin, just because I've seen more of his stuff. Right, yep. He's always been there in some capacity, whether it's tagging with his dad or Gold Dust. I mean, how long did the Gold Dust thing go on for? Oh, yeah. It's always yeah. interesting. Yes. And you, you could, no pun intended, you could dust it off and bring it back. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was and they did always many good. a time, yeah. So let's get into the match then. Brotherhood versus Young Bucks, great pre-match package. They they've done this a few times now on the shows where just for their main event they drop the WWE Attitude Era presentation and they kind of go UFC presentation. Yes, yeah, yeah. And it's a good way of making the main event stand out from the normal show pre-match yeah, package. I think so. Because you don't, no offence to anyone, but you don't want your Brandy Alley package mm. to be indistinguishable from your main event package. Yeah, definitely. So um, I think before we get into this match, you might need to tell me a bit more about some of the BTE skits that they were doing around this time. So yeah, um, obviously at the last show we saw uh, Cody cut the promo with Dustin after their 
bloodbath of a match where, where Cody wanted Dustin to be his tag partner for this match. Um, all very emotional, all very real. Um, and yeah, on BTE, the Bucks just made fun of it. Obviously, they're real-life brothers as well, and they just kept doing this thing where they they would make fun of that that promo basically and say they needed each other they needed their brothers over like silly trivial things and pretending to cry and all that sort of stuff so that was really what was happening on BTE and the horrible thing is some people have kind of accused like the bucks of undermining the gravity of their own matches when they do stuff like that right and i don't see it that way i think that is their character their yeah. dicks yeah exactly like yeah. You, and and they sell the match brilliantly, hmm. being dicks throughout. I mean, the, the first spot of the match is a sarcastic handshake. Yes. And the fact that you can tell that it's not a respect handshake, it is Nick being a dickhead and going, you're like, yeah, all right, mate, we're all friends here, aren't we? Hmm. The commentators didn't really draw much attention to it, but if you're watching the body language on it, it was just, yeah, he's a prick. Yeah. And that's that's... That's what you you need, really. One thing that I learned in this match that I didn't know is that Nick Jackson mm-hmm. is the younger. He is, yeah. Of the two, yes. Despite looking about five years older. Yeah, that hairline doesn't help him, does it? <laughs> it, it? It never does. It never does. <laughs> and here's here's another interesting statistic for you here, Dustin. His first match, thirteenth of September, nineteen eighty eight. Right. Nick Jackson, born ten months later. 28th of July, 1989. So, there you go. Dustin had his first match a year before this dude was even born. <laughs> I like it. some experience with Dustin, isn't there? Certainly is. Yeah, he's been around a while. So, the start of the match is very good. Lots of lock-up exchanges. Good escalation face. Face shine, cleaning house, good cut-offs. Prick heel hugs as you want. Like, that's the bit. They do all the good wrestling stuff. Everything you'd expect in the build of a match. Mm-hmm. Good back and forth. But it's a bit where you get the two bucks hugging each other. Mm-hmm. You're my brother. That's the bit that sells the story of the match. Yeah, yeah. They do they do a good job throughout this one, actually. This was my favourite Young Bucks match that I've seen. It's a very good one, yeah. It's great. They're solid. They play They play to the strengths of their opponents. Yes. So when they're against the Lucha Bros, they play to that. Yeah. When they're against Cody and Dustin, it is a lot more grounded. You get a few of the bigger spots, which mm-hmm. do what they're supposed to. They like the crowd up. Yeah, strong, strong Bucks match. I was very happy with that. But the story of the match, as I saw it, let's see if you agree or not. Mm-hmm. The story of this match is tag team specialists, who happen to be dicks, against two singles. Yep. There is, I mean, Dustin is a good singles wrestler. Cody is billed as good to great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- those two things combined aren't enough. Yes, a good tag team specialist in this match. Yeah, and the commentators do sort of talk about that Cody and Dustin have had tag runs in the past. They have been tag team champions for WWE. First people to beat the Shield as well, which was no small feat at the time. But yeah, they're oh, that's cool. okay. They're a, they're a short lived team uh, when they have teamed, and yeah, like you say, most of their careers they have been wrestling as singles guys. Now, have Bucks have the Bucks had any singles match? They must have had some, surely. Yeah, uh, Nick had a. There was a period. In AEW, where Nick has a few singles matches, it's more if one of them's going to, it's generally Nick who who wrestles singles. Matt doesn't do it very often. Um, but yeah, more often than not, they're, they're doing their tag stuff. They they have very, very few singles matches, very few and far between. Is that because Matt's got the bad back and he's just trying to preserve his longevity? Uh, I think maybe like Nick's a, the flashier, I guess, of the two. Um, 
And maybe just Matt is just, he likes tag wrestling. Maybe he's just not into doing the singles stuff. And like I say, Nick has had a few singles matches in AEW, but it's it's incredibly rare that they're not they're not teaming. See, I love a good tag team specialist. And one of the things that did more harm to tag team wrestling as a whole, not just in WWE, was that 20-year period where any two of the top guys could come together, form a tag team, and within a week... Win the belt. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Undermine, like, you had the Hardys, Edge and Christian, Dudleys. Yeah. But any two any two random upper te- echelon guys could mm-hmm. just come along. Oh, I guess we're the champions now. Yeah, It yeah. just did so much harm. So I much prefer good tag team specialists. Definitely. Um, just jumping back to Dustin for a bit. This guy, he's 250 pounds build at this match. 6'6". Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, of course, he's, he's slimmed down to get to that over the years. He's, yeah. He's been bigger. He's had bulky times. He's had fat periods, like. But this guy's six six, two hundred and fifty pounds at the lower end. How wasn't this guy a bigger deal? Is it just like we discussed the other week? Is it just the the legacy of having your dad's name? That the fact that he had a lot of his personal issues always got in the way. He was often sort of in a company and then would fall prey to sort of drink and drugs and things and it would end up getting released. So by the time he had got himself into a like a sober period and got himself in shape, I think a lot of the goodwill for him had kind of gone. They were seen as a bit of an older guy, maybe still can't be trusted. So I yeah, I think he probably did more harm to his career than any any of his booking did really. I think AEW's just been such good rehabilitation for him. Not yeah. even like not even as much as a wrestler, but just as a as a human being, as a mm. dude who's been in wrestling, knows more than most people will ever know. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he's done a lot to help other people's career. It's just so nice that he's had this act in his, his career at this point in his life. Yeah, definitely. Good old, good old Dustin. Good yeah, old Dustin. yeah. What were your thoughts on this match? Anything that you, you saw that really uh, stood out? Um, it was exactly what I wanted it to be, really. Um, obviously... I'd seen Cody and the Bucks together as part of Bullet Club for a, a few years leading up to this. Um, so seeing them actually go against each other was was very, very cool. It it was a, a big marquee match for AEW as well, again, to sort of show we are serious on tag teams. Like you say, that the fact the Bucks did go over, they did win because they are the established team, they are the tag team specialists, even though they were against two incredibly talented wrestlers. It, it it told the story right and the right guys went over, I thought. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think actually that's why it's my favourite match of the night. Um, yeah. there's, there's so much good you can talk about in this match. Mm-hmm. For me, so much of it comes to the fact that I've talked about confused booking on a lot of different matches on this night. Yeah. Where stuff's just been slightly off, just that 1-2% off where it's just like, eh, everything in this match was right. Yes. Everything. Um Nick Jackson getting like some good f- heel fire. You can't call it face fire. It's not quite a hot tag. <laughs> Still worked in the story context of the match. Yes. Heavy spine busters, double power slams. Lots of people stealing each other's moves. Drop down slaps. Like one of my favorite parts of the match. Nick Jackson goes over to the other side, pulls Cody down, jumps up in the tag position. Me shouting, "Hey, Dusty, tag me!" Tag yeah, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. And, and Dustin does. Dustin properly. Yeah. <laughs> It's such an old spot, but again, you know, when was the last time you actually saw that? Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Going to the opposing side, turnbuckle, and asking for a tag like that. Um, The the only bit that was (laughs) a little weird was, and it's not something that you can blame Cody for, because it's obviously inherited from Hulk Hogan, 
Cody, the good guy in the match, takes off his weight belt that he always wears. Mm-hmm. In fact, a little, a little, a little pinged in places. Yeah. And out of nowhere, takes off his weight belt and starts smacking the Jacksons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like you, you want to say on paper it's such a heel move, but mm. I, I can only really think of good guys who've done it. Well, true. Yeah, I mean Hogan did it as, as part of the NWO, didn't he? But he once he went face after again, he still did it anyway. Yeah, it's it's yeah. always been one of his four moves, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a it, cracking match, really. I was, I was, you know, like you, you get a lot of people going on about the Bucks and what they've meant for wrestling and tag team hmm. wrestling and high spots and everything. This shows that they can do a good grounded match that tells a story. Oh yeah, it's it's very easy to look at highlights of a young Bucks match and go, they're just they do spots, they don't know what they're doing, and they they do. They're, they're so good. Like you say, they will work to their opponents. They And that's the beauty of them, that they can have an amazing match no matter who their opponents are. They can adjust their style beautifully. And great long-term selling as well. within the Yeah, yeah, like, Especially yeah. Matt Jackson in this match has to get a shout-out. The way he carries his... Uh, I can't remember if it's left or his right arm, but he carries that arm through the yeah. whole match yeah, as yeah. being injured. And he yes. does a great job. Just, just yeah. Really pleasing. So yeah, Melts are driving for the win as well. So mm-hmm. they're getting put over with with their traditional finisher, as every match on the show has pretty much done. Mm. But we're not quite done with the show yet because after that we have a check presentation where everyone comes into the ring. We do, including the ruler of the Underworld, <laughs> to present a check for one hundred and fifty thousand um, yeah. dollars. Sounds quite a lot, but if you work it out against the 115,000 injured and the 40,000 killed every year, it does work out at less than $1 per gun violence incident. (laughs) I haven't checked the 2021 and 2022 gun violence stats, but I'm pretty sure they didn't solve gun violence this night. (laughs) But good efforts all around. To wrap the show up, lovely, beautiful, passionate, love and emotion promo from Cody yeah. about how important the AEW revolution is and how much this means <laughs> and how much they changed the industry um, within less than three years he'll be at Wrestlemania it is funny isn't it seeing Cody <laughs> at this point and knowing what happens like at the time you're like yes Cody you, you mean all this and then, yeah, I'm sure he did but yeah it is, it is funny to see in hindsight what happens so well that's that was Fight for the Fallen 2019. So my favourite match of the night was the main event. Yeah. You said your favourite match was Kenny and Shima? Yeah, I think it was, but I'm the, the tag match wasn't far behind it. A bit like the last show. I could One day I could say the Kenny versus Shima, another day it could be Bucks versus the, the Road. So yeah, both matches absolutely incredible. Cool, okay. And here's a question for you. This might catch you off guard. Best standout talent of the night? Best single individual worker Ooh. of the night? That's... That's a good question. Um, although it didn't really amount to much, I thought Sean Spears had a really good showing for himself this show. Um, it kind of proved at the time that he, he was more than what he had been, kind of a an enhancement talent to a, a degree. I mean, looking at it now, you could probably go, well, it didn't, it didn't amount to anything. But at the time, it, when you watch it, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, Sean Spears is getting a run finally. So yeah, I'd probably go with Sean Spears. Nice. I'm going to go with Matt Jackson uh, purely because the way he sold the arm in that match. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's, there's been two times where Matt Jackson's really impressed me. One was the way he sold the arm through the match. The second was that little nod he did to Adam Page 
in right. his championship match when he finally built Kenny Omega. Yeah. That little nod that said, we're not going yeah, yeah, to yeah. stop this. We're yeah. not getting involved. Mm-hmm. That was gold. Yes. Like, and those two things just should have shown me, we know he can do all the other stuff. That doesn't need to be discussed. But yeah. they showed me that he gets the little things. Uh-huh. Oh, he and does. He can yeah. sell. he can sell a big moment with a very small amount. Yeah. And that is an impressive thing to see from anyone. Mm-hmm. Cool. Anything to add about the show? No. No, I think it was a, a good show. Considering it was only sort of two weeks out from their last big show, um, they managed to put on another a really, really good event, I thought. Um, obviously, they probably had a bit of time to plan it. But, yeah, two big, big shows in a two-week period. No small feat, really. And, and they pulled it off really well. Um, sort of a lot of the same guys that we'd seen on previous shows, but doing different things. Um, rather than like WWE falling into that habit of having the same people wrestle each other for like a month or two and it, it gets very stale very quickly. But with this, yes, you did see some of the same guys, but you saw some new people as well. So it, it showed the diversity of the AEW roster, I thought. Yeah, it, just, it shows that you can just change a little bit about a match and it's mm. a whole new thing. And they've actually done that for a couple of shows on the trot now, which is... Mm-hmm. Always, always good. So we are six weeks away from All Out in 2019 time. Mm -hmm. But in real time, we will be doing All Out in a week. Hooray. If you want to follow us on social media, where can they find you, Pete? Uh, So the best place to find me is on Twitter. If you search for Pitwar, P-I-T-W-A-R, you'll find me on there. I am on Instagram, but that's mostly comic stuff. So if you're not really interested in comic books... I wouldn't bother checking, but that's Pitwire 80 on uh, Instagram. Uh, and we've also got a Facebook page for the podcast uh, on Facebook. If you search for Double View Wrestling Podcast, you'll find us on there. It's just got a few posts about when shows are going out, what's going on. Uh, so be sure to follow and like and all that sort of stuff that you can do on Facebook. Excellent stuff. And you can follow me on Twitter at CZ Hazard, which is my pen name. Lots of pictures of toys and Transformers and comics and everything on there. If you just want the wrestling stuff, follow the podcast on Twitter at AEW. So please give us a follow, like, subscribe, upvote, etc, etc. However, the best thing you can do to help us grow, please give us a share on social media and help other wrestling fans find our show. So thank you everyone for listening and we will be back in a week's time with All Out 2019.